Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. As you know, we're in a series going through the Ten Commandments and acknowledging and seeing and experiencing the very heart of God through His commandments and His very will. And so I just want to read the commandments to you. These are the Ten Commandments. It's in Exodus chapter 20. We are actually this Sunday in, on the Tenth Commandment. And, and so we are finishing this. So let's just, in a sense, recap as we read this. And it says, Then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Do not have other gods before me. In other words, be loyal. Do not make an idol for yourself, rather, and fashion it out of the shape of anything in the heavens or on the earth, below or in the waters underneath the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am jealous, punishing the children for the father's sins to the third and the fourth generations of those, of those generations that hate me, but showing faithful love, covenant faithful love, <clears throat> to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will punish anyone who misuses His name. Remember to dedicate the Sabbath as holy. You are to labor six days and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your sons or your daughters, your male or your female slaves, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath, and He made it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. And verse 17, our 10th commandment, do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female slave, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, this 17th commandment is unusual in that Jesus intensified almost all the other commandments. He would say things like, Moses said, do not steal, but I say, do not covet. Moses says, do not murder, but I say, do not hate in your heart. And he intensified all of the commandments, but this one he didn't. Because this one is as intense as it can be. This commandment, as it rests, if you obey this commandment, you fulfill most of all the other commandments because it is an issue of the heart. If you and I can control our hearts and can control our desires, then we seem to be pure in all these other areas. So, what is coveting? What is coveting? Coveting is not just having desires. God gave us desires. He gave us desires to work. He gave us desires for relationships. He gave us desires for building. He gave us uh, all kinds of desires. He gave us desires for food. He gave us desires for good food. He gave us desires for relationships and companionship. God gave us desires, sexual desires. He has sanctioned these things. But what sin is, 
is sin is taking these desires and doing something evil with them. Coveting literally is wanting what others have. It's not just having a desire, it's desiring the things that others have. In fact, here's what sin is. Sin is trying to satisfy a God-given desire in an ungodly way. Having desires isn't a sin in and of themselves. So in this passage of Scripture, when it says in, the seven, in verse 17 of Exodus chapter 20, the 10th commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, we tend to do that sometimes. It sounds something like this. You may visit somebody and you go, you're driving home and you may something, say something like, man, they got a lot of cool stuff. That, did you see that TV? Did you sit on that couch, man? You just sunk into it. How come, how come we have spring sticking out of our couch? I'm so, you might even say something like this. I'm so tired of living in this neighborhood. We live in a dump. How come we can't have an HGTV house? How can we have something nice? That is a covetous heart. It also says you should not covet your neighbor's wife. What does that sound like? It may, you, know, you may be having these thoughts. How come my wife don't age like she does? How come my wife can't make a pecan pie like she does? <laughs> how, come, how, how come my husband is, is always grumpy? How, how come her husband, he's so sweet, he's so nice with the kids, he fixes things instead of breaks things, how come I can't have that kind of a husband? And we think like that all the time. It also says you shouldn't cover, covet his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey. Have you ever complained about your car? You ever said, man, my, my car's a pile of junk. And you began to complain why all these really nice new cars pass you on the highway while you're over in the bar ditch. It's not fair, you might say. All of my friends have these great vacations. They go to Disney World. They go to Cancun. We can't even go to Grandma's. And we complain about these things. Maybe it's your job. Man, why do I have this loser job? Why do I work with this, these crazy people? You might be young and you say, how come my parents aren't like their parents? My parents are lame. My parents aren't as cool as they are. They're so restrictive. And I wish I had other parents. And it's a covetous heart that thinks that way. And then it says, you shouldn't cover any, covet anything that your neighbor has at all. Maybe you're feeling down about yourself, saying, how come I'm not as smart as them? How come I can't run as fast as them? How come I'm sick and they're not? How come I have this and they don't? And you begin to compare yourself. There's nothing necessarily wrong with noticing other people's things. But when you notice other people having advantages, do you stop and bless God for their blessings? Do you stop and thank God for other people's situation? Or do you stop and complain about yours? And ultimately, when I complain about my own life or my own station or my own whatever, it's an accusation against God, ultimately. And it's an indictment on my own heart of not knowing that God is real and praising God for what He has given us. But actually what we do when we look at this commandment, we break it down. When it talks about the neighbor's house, it's talking about security. When it's talking about the neighbor's wife, it's talking about relationships and companionship. When it's talking about the neighbor's servants, it's talking about comfort. And when it talks about the neighbor's donkey and ox, it's talking about wealth. And when we look at all these areas, security and companionship and comfort and wealth, it kind of is a full-orbed view of life. And any one of these areas, we can drive into coveting. So coveting is a sin. It shows a cancerous, 
addiction of complacency and complaining deep inside of every single heart. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 and 29 says this, Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind to do whatever ought not to be done. In other words, they didn't acknowledge God. They began to view God as someone other than He is. And basically, that's what this comes down to. Your view of God. Does He love you like He says He does? Has He taken the position of a father as He truly is? And when you take the image of God and you distort it, then it begins to distort our own heart. And here's what God did. They didn't see God as He is, and God gave them over to a debased mind to do whatever ought to be done. And watch this. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, and look at this word, covetousness and malice. It's it's one of these sins that cements within our heart of having a covetous heart. In fact, coveting is a sin that ignites other problems. Let me ask you this. Do you need more problems in your life? Do you need more financial problems? Do you need more relational problems? Do you need more self-image problems? If you do, if you need more, then covet all you want to. But if you want to get rid of some of these problems, then confess that coveting is evil. Let's let's back up and let's just look at coveting. So coveting ignites many other problems. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, you know that God put Adam and Eve in a perfect garden. It's perfect. You say, you know what? If my life was perfect, I had perfect health, perfect relationships, a perfect house, then I would never covet. Well, Eve did and Adam did. Here's what happened. God said you can eat of any tree in the garden all that you want. You can you, you subdue the earth and, and you populate and you enjoy all that I've created. But then Satan came and Satan in his cunning way is wild and, and rebellious and he started questioning what God really said and got Eve to question what God really said. And finally, he, he says, if you eat of this forbidden fruit, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, you can't even touch, which he didn't say that. In verse 6 of Genesis 3, it says this, Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food. In other words, she coveted. And she coveted in a certain way with her eyes. And it's, it's the word desire or lust. And, and then it was a delight to look at. In other words, she enjoyed. She saw that it would be fulfilling. Then she, she enjoyed looking at it, coveting it, and that it was desirable to obtaining wisdom. In other words, the pride of life. And that it would, just, it would change her. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought that something somebody else had, what someone else had, if you had that too, you like to stare at it, you like to look at it, and then, and then you thought, if I had it, I, I would be a better person, I would be a happier person. But that coveting led to destruction. As you see, Adam and Eve, they, they ate of this apple, they both enjoyed it, and, and they went for it. They wanted one more bite one more fruit, one more piece of food. They had all the food they could have, but they wanted more, and you should never covet more. And then, you know what happened? Great consequences. And the rest of chapter 3 and the rest of the Bible and your whole life demonstrates the consequences of the problems that were ignited through coveting. We also see this with Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Why? Because Cain coveted Abel's relationship with God. 
Joseph brothers, in Genesis chapter 37, 4, Joseph brothers, uh, they wanted Joseph dead because they saw that their father loved Joseph more, and this sin created, the sin of coveting, ignited more problems. Saul tries to kill David. Why? Because David was this mighty warrior coming up underneath the authority of Saul, but David, being a mighty warrior, he killed his ten thousands, where Saul only killed his thousands. And when he heard these ladies singing that song, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. The Bible says that Saul became furious and resented the song because they credited ten thousand victories to David and not to Saul, and he was covetous of his station in life. And then we have Ahab and Jezebel. And if you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 21. I want to look at this and see what coveting does to the heart of a man. Ahab and Jezebel in 1 Kings chapter 21. And here's what it says in verse 21, 1 Kings 21. It says, sometime passed after these events, and this was an event of a mighty victory that God gave Ahab. There was a man named Naboth, the Jezreelite. He had a vineyard. And it was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria, not his, his only palace. He had many palaces. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard so I can have it for a vegetable garden, since it is right next to my palace. I will give you a better vineyard in its place. And if you prefer, I will give you its value in silver. In other words, he made him an offer. Let me buy it. But Naboth said to Ahab, I will never give my father's inheritance to you. So Ahab went to his palace, resentful and angry because of what Naboth, the Jezreelite, had told him. And he said, I will not give you my father's inheritance. And he laid down on his bed, turned his face away, and didn't eat any food. So here's what's going on. Naboth couldn't rightfully sell what his father had passed down. He couldn't. This was an inheritance that was given. It was a, a Jewish order, a Jewish right, a Jewish custom that if he kept this land that his dad had worked for, then they would have it for generations and generations. Now, they had this issue of the year of Jubilee, that somebody could buy something, and at the end of the Jubilee, at the 50th year, they would get it back, but he knew what kind of a man Ahab was and what kind of his descendants were, and they would never, ever have it. In fact, the Lord was very... He encouraged people not to sell their land because the land didn't actually belong to them. It belonged to God, but they were stewards of it. But if they had to in dire situations, then there was the year of Jubilee. And so Ahab was doing what God didn't want him to do, but Naboth was doing what God wanted him to do. And then you see the reaction. Since he didn't get the land, then he laid down on his bed, he turned his face, and he didn't eat any food. Then his wife Jezebel came to him and he said, why are you so upset? In other words, his emotional state was so obvious because of his unmet covetous heart that it began to deteriorate within his soul and his wife noticed it. Did you know emotions, your emotions can reveal a covetous heart? In this situation, he was angry, he was resentful, he had self-pity, he was depressed, he had an unhealthy relationship to food. He wouldn't eat. And uh, he was abusing his own authority. And you'll see that in just a second. Did you know that emotions, your emotional condition will rat out your heart? 
will expose your heart. Your emotions are like a, a magnifying glass upon the covetous heart. What is it that makes you angry? What is it that makes you resentful? What is it that makes you depressed? What is it that makes you have self-pity? Could it be you have these unmet cravings that go against the Word of God? Could it be that our emotional states are because we're wanting something and we shouldn't have it? And we're, we're coveting after it and God keeps moving it farther and farther away and you become more and more discouraged. Let me tell you something. According to this passage and according to many psychologists, if we would get rid of the covetous heart, then we actually would be healthy emotionally. A lot of your emotional angst would go away if your coveting would go away. In fact, a famous psychologist says this, what connects all the addictions is that enough is never enough. Not for long anyway. Enough is never enough for a long time. As addicts progress or actually regress into their addictions, to derive sufficient gratifications, they must constantly seek more and more of their drug of choice. That's how you become an addict, getting more and more and more. Why? Because the more never satisfies, according to this. For more is the key word of addiction. It doesn't matter whether they're addicted to a substance, a relationship, an activity. The ante for getting enough of the object, of their craving, must continually be raised and go higher and higher. And it's more and more and more. It has been said, you will never get enough of what you don't really want. So sometimes what we really want, we think we want a new car, but really what we're wanting is just the image and the satisfaction. We may want a new house, but really what we want is security. And so even though you get the new house, you may want another one and another one and another one because you're searching for security. You may want another wife and then another wife or another husband and another husband because you're really looking for intimate companionship and you never get it because you're looking for it in the wrong thing. It has been said you never get enough of what you don't really want. With people addicted to pursuing wealth, those that just want more and more money over and over, their overwhelming, insatious passion isn't about getting rich, but richer and still richer. Ultimately, their heart's desire, tragically unknown to them, isn't for wealth at all, but for love and emotions and intimacy, unconditional acceptance and self-acceptance. And rich isn't ever in the picture because you never become rich, at least not to the person pursuing money. It can never satisfy. So here's what happened. Jezebel goes to her husband, sees his covetous heart, and she goes to try to fix it. She does, goes to try to repair his covetous heart. And so what she does, she goes outside of her authority. She writes a letter in his name, and she seals it with his seal, and she sends it off. And that's often a violation. Do you realize that when we pursue covetous ambitions, that we are moving in an authority that we shouldn't have? In fact, Jezebel made the comment. She said, listen, you are the ruler of all the land. You can do whatever you want. And that is a lie that a covetous heart often gets you. Here's what he was saying. A man that had everything. Here's what he was saying. If I can't have the field, I can't be happy. What are your thoughts? Do you ever say, if I only had blank, I would be happy? If I only had better health, then I'd be happy. If I only had more money, I'd be 
happy. If I didn't have this kind of job, I'd be happy. If I only had a better relationship or even had a relationship, then I'd be happy. You know what? If only I had blank, whatever that blank is, is your functional God. Do you realize that? If I only had more money and you're pursuing that, you really think money's going to make you happy? It's not. It's not. If I only had this relationship, no. You know, the first commandment, have no other gods before me. Our covetous heart reveals our gods. Listen to me. This is very serious things. This is something I have to evaluate my heart with. Am I dependent on things or people or situations to make me happy? If I am, then those blanks are my God. It's a, it's a tough thing to say. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, But those who want to be rich fall into temptation. Now, it doesn't say those who are rich. It says that those that want to be rich, even... There are, many, uh, there are many rich people who don't think they're rich, but they want to be more rich. They want to be richer. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap. And many foolish and harmful desires which plague people into ruin and destruction. It's this covetous heart. Verse 10, read this one with me. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So it's not money that's a sin, it's the love of money, the craving of money that turns into your God. And, and naturally, as the verse goes on to say, typically and obviously, when money becomes your God, you begin to leave the, the love of your life, the true God. You begin to leave Jesus Christ because you've exchanged the true living God for a fake God and you're shipwrecked. Read this one with me, 1 Timothy chapter 6-7. It says, for we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out. In other words, it's all futile. Why chase after these things to make you happy? Now, once again, the Bible speaks a lot about relationships, and they can be a gift of God. God speaks a lot about security in a house. It can be a gift of God. Money is not, is not evil in and of itself. In fact, it is God who gives you the ability to make money, whatever money you have. These things are good, but it's the craving and the loving. So how do you covet no more? Here's how. First of all, know this, that we are to desire, we are to covet a sound mind. Know that these verses that we read, if it triggers a conviction, if it shines a spotlight on your life to where there is a false God, or you find yourself wanting things to make you happy, then you really need to desire a different kind of mindset. You must long for the mindset that God wants to give you. The way that you think and the way that you guard your heart has to change. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world or to this age, but be transformed. That's metamorphosized. That's, that's becoming someone that you're not yet. It's, it's growing. It's aspiring to be the kind of person that you want to be. So, so you desire this sound mind, not being conformed to the world, but being changed or transformed by, watch this, the renewing of your mind, taking the truth of God's Word, what we've been reading, taking the truth of God's Word and letting it solve, letting it satisfy. Let me give an example. So you, you want money or you want a new house because you want security? Let me tell you something. You can't get enough things on earth to be secure enough. You can't. 
Even the strongest of houses, even the greatest of wealth has been wiped away in a second because of things that take place, things that you cannot control. You don't have control of your security. God does. And when the Lord says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, when Jesus says the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, but Jesus was at perfect peace. When you renew your mind and you begin to see that God is the one who has your security, then you and I can rest comfortably at night. Even when the storms come and the winds blow, you know that your security is in the love of the Lord God Almighty that He has for you. Renew your mind so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and the perfect will of God. As you and I desire and crave a sound mind, then we begin to see things as they are. And, and with a sound mind, you begin to desire truth. And, and that's the second thing. You desire the Word of God. You covet the Word of God. And you want more and more because the Word of God begins to satisfy. Man, listen. Do this. Try it. If you're frustrated with a covetous heart, then get into the Word of God. And if you don't understand it, get into a Bible study. Find someone who, who, who's a little farther down the road than you. Sit down with them or, or FaceTime them. Talk with them and go through the Word of God. And here's what it says about the Word of God. In Psalm 119.10, it says this, The words and the statutes, they are more desirable than gold, than abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. In other words, we renew our minds, we desire God's Word, and, and the Word of God begins to satisfy. You remember what Jesus said while fasting and being tempted? covet. He said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And therefore, what we do is we, we desire, we covet a sound mind. We desire and covet the Word of God. And next, you desire Jesus. You, you desire to be like Him and for Him to come and to be your joy, to be your satisfaction. You know what? There may be Christians out there and you may be wrapped up into a covetous heart towards something or someone, and you're chasing hard after that with, with all of your might, you need to stop that. You need to repent, and you need to turn to Jesus because He is the one that satisfies. Listen, listen to what the Word of God says. It says in uh, Philippians chapter 3, it says, My goal, this is Paul, my goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to Him in His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So here's a guy that had everything religiously. He had all kinds of security. He had fame. He had glory. And he says, I count all that as manure compared to pursuing Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this. Jesus will never let you down. He is the one that has invested all into you. He is the one that has promised you eternal life. He is the one that has bought you with His own blood. He is the one that has you in His hands, and He has bought you for eternity. Don't you think He can take care of you the few days that you're in life? And then also, so desire a sound mind. Desire the Word of God. Desire the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, man, desire heaven. Man, this world will pass away. All will be done away with. Listen, it won't take much to wipe out this world as you and I are living this right now. We can see it. And so our life is not to be invested in this world. Now, I'm not saying don't work. We should work. 
when we can. I'm not saying don't take care of relationships because we could. They're valuable. But here's what the Bible is saying. All these things will be done away with. Don't put the longings of your heart in the things that will blow away. Just, and they're gone. See, the Lord satisfies our needs now. And most importantly, He provides for us an eternity that we are to long for. If you have a covetous heart, if I have a covetous heart, we're living for this world. And so that's why this 10th commandment is so valuable. It's because life, Things, self-pride is so temporary. But listen, heaven is glorious. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. And I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. We push on towards that mark. We move each day, not in self-pity, not in resentment, not in a covetous heart, but we move forward with the full, abundant promises of God, which is more valuable than all the money on earth, and it's given to you and to me. Thank you again for listening to audio from Pastor Mac Roller at Glenmeadows Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.